0: So, uh, right. <laughs> I have that so well memorized I don't even know what I'm chanting. So, uh we got a, a number of pages to go through and I'm going to try to go through them all tonight. So, let's try to do that together, which doesn't mean you can't, you know, stop here and there for but don't try not to drag it on. And uh, I thought it was pretty awesome ending actually. So, I'm on page eighty six that correspond to you guys. We're gonna go through the uh, Alia consciousness. Cool. And uh if you remember the basic outline of the text was uh he went through uh mistakenness and non mistakenness and then he he did the, the consciousnesses, the eight consciousnesses, and then he goes through unmistakenness, the the wisdoms, the eight wisdoms and the Kayas and stuff, right? Or the uh, five was four wisdoms and kayas, something like that. I don't know. A lot of lists, we get some cool... 414. Anyway, the causal condition, Ali Consciousness, has two parts and the first is the brief introduction by means of its name those with special insight, the Buddha taught the Alia consciousness, the followers of the Mahayana are endowed with the insight that is more special than the insight that realizes the kinds of identitylessness of the Hinayana, and is capable of realizing the profound basic state of the nature of phenomena, just as it is. For those, the omniscient victor clearly taught the alaya consciousness, which serves as the causal condition of the six collections of consciousness, the Abhidharma Sutra, and uh, by this he means the Mahayana Abhidharma Sutra. The Alia is the consciousness of all seeds, of all phenomena, therefore I explain this Alia consciousness to the genuine ones. And this is a text that does not exist, by the way, in uh, completeness in uh, Sanskrit or any language, the Abhidharma Mahayana Sutra. Which is really so bad, because it's too bad because he see it quoted here and there, and it looks like a really juicy one. So. Basically, I'd like to ask one of you to take on the task of going through all the various books that have been published in English and lift out, extract translations of stanzas from this sutra and collect them together, okay? So uh, at the end, we'll do some volunteers. I have some other similar projects I'd like people to take on, okay? Um, As for its summarized characteristics, Master Vasubandhu's uh, treatise in thirty Karikas says or thirty stanzas here maturation is the alia consciousness it 's that which matures the seeds which contains all the seeds its appropriation, state, and cognizance are unconscious, yet it is always endowed with contact the five uh, the five uh, omnipresent mental factors ah we have a we have a a volunteer. <laughs> uh it is always endowed with contact mental engagement feeling discrimination and impulse so that includes two of the five skandhas which get pulled out of the 51 mental factors and uh, brought to the level of skandhas because they worked really hard and they really outshone themselves and so they get promoted from Mental factors to its feeling is indifference, it is unobscured and neutral, the same goes for its contact, and so on. it flows like a river stream the fifty one mental factors by the way, would be a good chart to have Cynthia. I think you took on that task of helping me like compile what is like you know a bunch of handouts that we could like zip to on the website and show same goes for its contact and so on. It flows like a river stream, so it has this continuity, the aliyah consciousness. In our hothood, it becomes extinguished. Poof. Accordingly, because it is the basis for the arising of all phenomena of imagination, It is called alia. If you wonder how it comes that the term consciousness is added to it, this is in order to discriminate it properly, since there are contexts in which suchness or the Tathagata heart are also called alia. So there is this notion of there being a ground of reality that's beyond the alia consciousness, and from which, based upon the cultivation of the path, we give rise to alia jnana, sort of the other side of reality. The Nirvana side of reality, all your wisdom, and from that we give birth to the three kayas of the Buddha. Um, you may also wonder if it is said that consciousness is what sees an object, uh, what is posited as its object here. So this is the. The traditional definition of consciousness in the uh, South Trantica school, which is the foundation for discussion in the, all the later schools, is that consciousness is that which engages an object, mentally engages an object. And so what is the object? So this has to have an object. It is called consciousness since it is the entity of usable causes and conditions by virtue of the appropriation of the seven collections of consciousness in which process it seems as if the alia is being dowed with all the maturations and seeds is the object and its aspect of lucidity is the perceiving subject since everything is collected in it, it is maturation like an ocean resulting from rain water, the collection of all the propensities that have ever arisen because it produces all that is produced by conditions it serves as a cause that ocean then gives birth to that reality it sort of circles around from that point of view it is that which contains all seeds at all times it is accompanied by the five omnipresent mental factors contact mental engagement feeling discrimination impulse therefore these mental factors serve as distinct features of its being a consciousness with a specific feeling associated with the aliyah being indifference. It doesn't really have the, um, you know, this phrase keeps coming up and it's a little confusing because karma is all like deposited here. So it's like we affiliate indifference with um, non-karmic activity and difference with the creation of karma. But um, it, it it seems to be that the indifference quality is because it doesn't have the remainder of the mental factors, which is where difference, where the op- opposite of indifference comes about. The nature of the Ali is to be an obscured and neutral, just like the clarity of a mirror. Similar to a flowing river, it is the continuous flow of seeds of subject, objects, and sense faculties. As for and he's quoting, in Arhathood, it becomes extinguished. Um, in the above quote, by Vasubandhu, he refers to a Buddha. In Shravaka Arhats, the alia exists. So even though he says in Arhathood, it becomes extinguished. The term Arhathood applies not only to Shravaka Arhats, but also to Buddha Arhats. And we see this in the Oriyoki chant, if you've ever done that. I think Liz did that. Do you remember the, the way that begins? Did you memorize the chant? Arahato, Bhagavato, you know, it has that long Sanskrit at the beginning that includes the term arhat. and so He's the great arhat. <laughs> uh, let's see. And, uh, However, it is fine to explain that the extinction of the support that is the afflicted mind which clings to a personal self represents the extinction of one part of the alia. So he's like getting at this idea of like one fold or one and a half fold egolessness, the the one identitylessness, and that's the elimination of part of the. Let's see, he says, uh, the afflicted mind which clings to a personal self, one part of the alia, and by alia here he means alia consciousness, shorthand. Sort of odd, since he just introduced that there is another olio that he's not, like, distinguishing them. But anyway, such an aglio was not taught to the followers of the Hineon out of the concern that they might mistake it as being equivalent to the self of the Tirtikas. Um, Uh, The alia consciousness was not taught to the Hinayana because they might think of it as a self. And the Buddha uh, mentions this in many sutras of like not mistaking the the, uh, Aliyah consciousness with the self of the Tiritchikas, as well as not mistaking the Buddha nature as a self. The appropriating consciousness is one aspect of the Aliyah consciousness is profound and subtle in its uh, um, method of operating as an appropriator. All its seeds flow like the stream of a river. It is inappropriate to conceive of it as a self. I did not teach it to childish beings for that reason. So this is a reference to the three turnings of the wheel of the Dharma, saying that, you know, in the beginning teachings, I didn't teach these slippery subjects that can be mistaken and misunderstood. So that was what the the Shravakas got. And the subtle implication also is that he didn't teach it in the second turning of the Wheel of the Dharma, which focused on emptiness and the Prajnaparamita Sutras. And the distinction of the third turning is that he he clarifies in what sense things are empty and in what sense things are not empty, which is the sort of way that the third turning is uh, distinguished from the second turning. Now, going back, did he actually explain how it has an object and is therefore a consciousness? If we go back up the page, there's a little number at the beginning before accordingly named 98, I mean the number 98. In the second sense, if you want to have the term consciousness is added to it, this is in order to discriminate it properly. Blah, 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 you may wonder if it's consciousness, what is its object? It is called consciousness since it is the entity of mutual causes and conditions by virtue of the appropriation of the seven collections of consciousnesses. consciousness in which process it seems as if the Allah is being down with all maturations and seeds is the object. So, it's conscious of the seeds and the maturation process in this funny way, that's its object, even though the, the Aliyavishnana is non-dual. Because all there is is olivishnana, <laughs> so it's looking at itself, and that's what gives rise to samsara. Uh, but it has this feeling, this sense of there being the object of these seeds and, uh, and maturations, and the perceiving subject is the lucid clarity aspect of the Aliyavishnana. Okay. Back to page two eighty eight on the top point two point four, sorry, two point one point four point two point three point two. Gotta love that Tibetan system. Detailed explanation of its specific characters. It is also taught as support for all that it gives rise to a matrix that contains it all or appropriating. It's like deposits things there. Since all karmas produced by the seven collections are gathered in an unmixed and neutral way, it is called maturational, just as rainwater flows into the ocean. Since it produces everything, it is the ground from which all seeds arise, thus being designated the causal condition, because it dissolves when the seven collections dissolve, it is also called conditioned consciousness. So all these different aspects and Dharmaka control will now explain the uh, root verse by the karmapa. The Sali consciousness is the ground of mistakenness in the three realms. It is also called supporting consciousness since it is the cause of all physical sense faculties. It is called matrix consciousness because it is the matrix that appropriates all seeds of latent tendencies. And physical bodies. Furthermore, it is thought as appropriating consciousness since through appropriating the self, desires, and views. The link with the new bodies established in their full manifestation is seized. It is called maturational since all the individual seeds of the positive and negative karmas produced by the seven collections of consciousness and their objects and sense faculties are gathered in an unmixed in that neutral way, unmixed, so they all have their own little compartments and the Ali, I guess, they have their own little lots or homes and mailboxes. Uh, with their nature being neither virtuous nor non-virtuous, And this Ali, just as rain falls into rivers. So by the way, the neutral, neither virtuous nor non-virtuous, it contains all the, goona, all the gochas, all the genes, which are the predispositions that can either be activated by individuals who enter upon the path or not by those who cycle endlessly pursuing the happiness of samsara, such as it is. Just as rain falls into the rivers and the rivers flow and are gathered into the ocean. Here, the six collections are like the ruin. Oh, sorry, the rain. <laughs> the ruin. Uh, are like the rain. The karma is accumulated by meditation, like the rivers and the Alia, like the ocean. So the consciousnesses flow consciously, uh, continuously, like rain, and the activity that they generate collects in rivers and they flow into the ocean, which stores them. One should understand that any karma for which preparation, main part, and conclusion are complete is called accumulated karma, which has the capacity to bring forth its results. It it's, uh, has a productive capability from the point when an action has ceased until its result has matured, it is called maturing. Karma just as waves immediately arise from the ocean and move if the proper conditions meet. The afflicted mind arises from the alia, which constitutes all seeds and moves. Therefore, the immediate mind arises, which is what produces the individual results of the seeds that exist within the alia in an unmixed way. The immediate mind seeming to be like part of the seventh and part of the sixth, actually. I don't know, we gotta, I gotta ask Carl that. Again, from the abhidharma sutra consciousness arises from mentation and mentation from the alia this implies sort of six is consciousness or the one through six seven is mentation and then eight is alia i.e vijnana in the alia vijnana or alia uh, i.e vijnana all phenomena are moving just like waves and other sutra just as waves arising from the great ocean that is stirred up by the wind from the alia with all seeds it's its own sorry, its own potential a mere consciousness arises, since it produces everything internal and external. So this is when we say mind only, we say everything is the Aliyah Vijnana. Everything that we see is the creation of the Aliyah Vijnana, which doesn't mean it's our creation, doesn't mean we own it. It just means we all live in a similar creation of Aliyah Vijnana and there are limitless other such versions of Aliyah Vijnana and there are infinite other beings living in those other versions that have like karma. Um, it is the ground from which all seeds arise rise, that's being designated the causal condition of the six collections of consciousness. When through the force of studying and meditating, the two, first two of the three prajnas, the seven collections dissolve inside Meaning consciousness is seven through one. There are no newly accumulated latent tendencies. Hence, just like an ocean runs dry to a lack of rainwater feeding it, through there being no more causes for producing the alia, the alia dissolves or it evaporates or something. Uh, because of that, it is also called conditional, since it's not permanent. It's brought about by causes and conditions, and so when those cease, it ceases. Since it depends on the conditions of the seven collections. Furthermore, just as the Aliyah consciousness is the cause of afflicted phenomena, afflicted phenomena too are presented as the causal condition of the Aliyah consciousness has this circular quality to it. Because that's all there is. It's like a closed system. Because other causal conditions for it are not observable. As for the way those these topics are, you need to understand that this is a condensed ancillary teaching in accordance with the detailed presentation in the Mahayana Samgraha, which is the compendium of Mahayana by a sangha. And you can study that uh, through a three-volume collection produced by Carl Bernholzl. came out recently, <laughs> if you have a lot of time. In this context, it is appropriate to refer to the pure aspect of Alia. By the way, the text is not that long. C it, it, translates numerous commentaries and has his own new, lengthy commentaries. Um, so, someday we'll pull out just the translation of the text and read that, because it's not that long, it'd be cool. It is appropriate to refer to the pure aspect of the alia as it, w- it was explained through the conventional term, cause for purified phenomena. So, it also c- contains the cause for enlightenment in here in this Ali of Vijnana, but it is not appropriate to explain that the alaya consciousness is the cause of the Buddha wisdom of nirvana. You, you know, you can't draw that line that the alaya consciousness leads to Buddhahood, because that would be like an absurd contradiction. Then why aren't all beings Buddhas? You know, so the idea is that the the pure uh causes reside within the Alia consciousness but not are not of it, not part of it. And these are the Gotra. Uh, The Tantra of complete non-abiding, interesting, he quotes the Tantra at this point, declares, though the Alia is the ground of all, it is not the ground for purified phenomena. Interesting, so apparently he means here the Alia of Vijnana, and the ground for purified phenomena would be the Alia, which is, is not always named, That scheme of there being an alia and an alia jñāna is not common to all texts. So some texts just refer to it without naming it. However... There are numerous ways to explain this. You may wonder, as for the realization that is based on the correct view that the pure qualities are inseparable from Buddha enlightenment, isn't it too presented on the basis of the oh, yeah, alaya? How are these purified phenomena produced? Where the hell do they come from? They're based on the suchness of all phenomena, the dharmakaya, the naturally pure-minded, the heart. So they reside inseparably, or not inseparably, they reside uh, simultaneously in the sort of fabric matrix continuum of a of sentient being. So you have these two streams, like, going on. Uh, they're... Um, how are these pure. F- uh, purified phenomena produced there based on the suchness of all phenomena, the dharmakaya, the naturally pure mind, the tathagata heart. This principle should be known in detail from the omniscient Ramjan Dorje's text pointing out the tathagata heart and its commentaries, which we read. And so basically what is being elaborated, but maybe not that clearly, and maybe I'm making this up, but it seems to me that they've, they've said, well, the, the tathagata it doesn't change. You can't say that it like be, you know through the process of the path and becoming a buddha it changes but it's there but it's not activated in ascension being but it's there and it doesn't change it just gets activated so they say well something else has to change along the way of the path and so that's the gotra that's the predispositions the gene you know, what Rimshay calls enlightened genes that There's genes for negativity and positivity, and when we cultivate the path, we focus on the positivity genes and that those lead to the activation of the Tathagata Garba. You know, which in some sense is just like shifting the, the issue of, you know, how can something unchanging change a little bit to another body. Anyway, explaining the wisdoms and the kayas that are the change of state of the eight consciousnesses, sorry, collections of consciousness, which has two parts. First, the brief introduction of the general meaning, being unaware of the aliyah's own essence, the movement of apprehender and apprehended our buddies, our uh, functions as the cause of mistakenness. From that, this great ocean of suffering and samsaric existence arises, which, to hard, which is hard to cross by those who are called sentient beings and circle in the three realms. Once free from the adventitious stains of grasping at sentient beings, five skandhas, the change of state appears as the five wisdoms, which have the nature of the four kayas In brief the basis for the label sentient being is the five skandhas. And the substantial cause of these skandhas are mind, i.e. Uh, sixth consciousness, Oh, sorry, in this case, mind, he's referring to the Vijnana, I think. Mentation, the seventh, and consciousness. Uh, the, which are the substantial causes of these skandhas, which is sort of an odd thing, because technically the eight consciousnesses are the fifth skanda. But as you see in Trunk Rinpoche's amazing pre- presentation of the first skanda form in the glimpses of Abhidharma, since there is no form in the world of mind only, the consciousness serves as sort of the uh, basis of all, as well as the, the culmination.
1: So, uh, just to repeat, uh, mind is the alaya vijnana, mentation is the seventh, yep. and consciousness here is the sixth.
0: That's, or six through one, you know, the sixth consciousness. That's my hutch. together. That's, okay. Yeah, that's my hunch, I mean, he doesn't give a footnote for Carl to clarify that, but let's see, maybe the further text will. The cause of Buddhahood stems from the change of state of the five skandhas, of sentient beings, the Mahayana, some graha states, though, sorry, through how many kinds of masteries is the mastery of the dharmakaya attained? In brief, mastery is attained through five kinds. Through the change of the state of the skanda form, Mastery over the pure Buddha realms, Kaias, excellent major, minor marks, infinite voices, indivisible mark on the crown of the head is attained, boing, the the uh, uh, brahmanandra, one of the major marks. So we've seen this before, this change of state of the five skandhas, so through the change of state of the skandha, feeling mastery over infinite, vast blissful states without wrongdoing is attained. Through the change of state of the skanda of discrimination, mastery over the teachings is attained through all groups of words, groups of phrases, and groups of letters, i.e. lists. Through the change of state of the skanda of formation, mastery over creation, transformation, gathering retinues, i.e. having parties, and gathering the immaculate dharmas is attained. Through the change of state of the skanda of consciousness, mastery over mirror-like wisdom, the wisdom of equality, discriminating wisdom, and all accomplishing wisdom is attained. So consciousness gives rise to those wisdoms. Mirror-like, equality, discriminating all, accomplishing the four wisdoms. (laughs) So we'll go through that in more detail soon. The manner of the change of state of the first four skanda is understood through the quote itself here. As uh, as for the change of state of consciousness, the fifth kind the manner of its changing into the four Buddha wisdoms is explained briefly. First, this is taught as the four causes for attaining wisdom, and secondly as the four causes for the change of state. Uh, the,
2: four the first, first Gumi.
0: Uh, I don't know. We'll we we'll he, he he does go through the Bhumis. We'll see if he clarifies when they arise on the... I, I have a feeling it's a little more... It's a little later, though, like Buddhahood, but we'll see. Uh, maybe the 10th. All right. Yeah. The first Bhumis comes to the end. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Somewhere in there.
2: Oh, yeah. It starts at the 8th, right? Those are the 8th, the 9th, and 10th are the attaining Buddhahood Bhumis.
0: Yeah, I think so, the purified ones. Uh This is taught as the four causes. What are the four causes? Okay, first, the cause of mirror-like wisdom is the prajna of studying, retaining the Dharma, the three pitikas. So that's the one cause. The cause of wisdom of equality is to cultivate a mindset of regarding all sentient beings as equal. Second cause. So these are four things that you should focus your entire being on. to so the expense of everything else that you do in your life, including eating, sleeping, uh, the cause of discriminating wisdom is to teach the dharma to others. The cause of all accomplishing wisdom is to accomplish beneficial activities for others. Mahayana Sutra, ornament of the Mahayana Sutra is due to retaining, due to equanimity, due to elucidating the perfect dharmas, and due to accomplishing activities, the four wisdoms arise. The second... Derek,
1: can I ask yeah. a quick question? So- My sense from this is that all eight of the consciousnesses reside within the skanda of consciousness.
0: Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So, in the the earlier tradition, they break down the skanda of consciousness into six aspects. Right. Being the five senses and the sixth mind. And then in the, the later, the Yogacara, we have consciousness, the fifth skanda, being broken down into eight. And the little nuance is that in the Yogacara, the skanda form is not really uh, right. external matter. And the other nuance is that skandhas two through five in both systems are mind. You know, so mind is larger than consciousness in a funny right. way. So mind includes feeling discrimination in the, in the, in the skanda world. But when you look at the eight consciousness world, you have the the fifty one mental factors, which are the fourth with her skandhas two, three, and four, feeling discrimination, and then all the rest in the fourth skanda. Those are all pervade the um the eight consciousnesses. Okay. Except that the Ali has only fought the first five and seven through one have The remaining 47 skandhas, uh, mental factors. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Due to retaining, due to equanimity, due to elucidating, due to accomplishing, the four wisdoms arise. This little summary. Second version of these four causes Mm -hmm. is uh, taught in this. Sutra called the of uh, sutra paying homage to the trikaya nama. The purified state of the alaya consciousness is mirror-like wisdom. Boom. The dharmakaya, the purified state of the afflicted mind, the seventh is the wisdom of equality, and the purified state of the mental consciousness, the sixth, is discriminating. Both being the sambhogakaya, those second two. The purified state of the consciousness of the five sense gates is all-accomplishing wisdom, the nirmanakaya. These wisdoms can be summarized in the two categories of knowing suchness, the true nature of all phenomena, and knowing the variety of the manifestation of phenomena on the relative level, the first being the absolute and these being the two qualities of uh, omniscience, or two aspects. As for the first, the nature of all phenomena, the ultimate lack of appearance refers to the wisdom of knowing suchness in meditative equipoise. As the uh, distinction between the two truths by Jnana Garba says, when there is no scene of a nature of cognition and what is cognized, the act and the object, since characteristics do not come about, dwelling in samadhi is stable, so there is no arising from it. So the the threefold situation of uh, perceiver perceived and perceiving dissolves in true samadhi. The wisdom of knowing variety during subsequent attainment or ex- any experience outside of meditative equipoise is the direct realization that all possible types of substances of all phenomena within the three times are illusion like. Again, from the same text, the single instant of your knowing encompasses the entire model of knowable objects. Although there are no distinctions between meditative equipoyas and subsequent attainment and buddha wisdom, the above two wisdoms are labelled in this way merely due to this buddha wisdom's two ways of knowing. Okay, the actual meaning. So we went through the brief and now we're doing the uh, actual. This has six parts. First is explaining mirror-like wisdom as the Dharmakaya, which we just saw which has two parts, starting with what is to be purified, and what purifies it. So, uh, this is the traditional scheme of coming up with this triad of um, what is to be purified, what purifies it, uh, what is purified from it, and the result of purification. And here we have two of those four. The nature of the external and internal, this very Alaya consciousness, is the root of everything to be relinquished. It is said that it is to be overcome through the Vajra-like Samadhi, so that is what is to be purified. And what purifies it is, so the Alaya is what is to be purified and what purifies it is the Vajra-like Samadhi at the end of the 10th Bhumi. As was just explained, the nature of internal consciousness and external objects is this very allia consciousness. It's everything and all. It is the ground or root of the entirety of apprehender and apprehended actual ignorance as such, since it obscures the Buddha Bhumi, the level of Buddhahood. The ground of Buddhahood or Buddha enlightenment is the root of everything to be relinquished. As for the remedy to relinquish it, let alone mundane samadhis, it cannot even be relinquished through the ultimate prajna of shravakas and pratyeka buddhas that realize, realizes identitylessness, let alone mundane samadhis. It is said that it is to be overcome through the vajra-like samadhi. Then the result of purification, which is the kaya and the wisdom, kaya, embodiment and wisdom, non-embodied uh, manifestation of enlightenment, once the alia, including the obscurations, is extinguished, it becomes mirror-like wisdom. All wisdoms appear in it without any mind. It is unconfined and ever-present. It realizes all noble objects. It is never directed toward them. Since it is the cause of all wisdoms, it is called the Dharmakaya. By virtue of neither being attached to anything nor obstructed with regard to anything, the vajra samadhi is the antidote to the most subtle obscurations, i.e. to enlightenment. Through it, the alia, the two obscurations, including their latent tendencies, is overcome. The alia being the uh, the um, entity of the two obscurations, including their latent tendencies, overcome. Once the alia is extinguished in that way, it becomes the very mirror-like wisdom of a buddha. As for the meaning of this term, as in the example of a clear mirror, reflection is suitable to arise in dependence on it. Likewise, uh, from mirror-like wisdom, the three other wisdoms and the Sambhogakaya appear in the manner of reflections. (coughs) Ornament in mind, a sutra says, since the reflection of wisdom Arises, (laughs) a <laughs> an obscure quote, but okay. Uh, In that mirror-like wisdom, all other wisdoms and all noble objects appear, but without being grasped as mine. Since it is unconfined, mirror-like wisdom is ever-present. Since it is free from all obscurations and not ignorant about the entirety of noble objects, it is not directed toward the consciousnesses that are triggered by objects. It doesn't pay any attention to samsara and is free from not knowing. Hence, it realizes all knowable objects. So not paying attention to samsara doesn't mean that it doesn't see anything, it sees everything. It realizes everything, yet is never apprehending them. It doesn't experience them in a subject object conceptual way. Through being directed outward toward them again, the ornament of the Mahana Sutra's with, mere like wisdom is without me or mine, unconfined, ever present, never oh, sorry, not ignorant about the entirety of noble objects, yet never directed toward them, furthermore, during the phase of impurity, the Alia consciousness functions as the sport of the other seven consciousness, such as mentation and uh, that's like a uh, understood as and so on. Accordingly on the Buddha Bhumi, mirror-like wisdom functions as the support of the three other wisdoms ornamented mind. Susha's such, mirror-like wisdom is unmoving. The other three wisdoms, the three other wisdoms rather, have it as their foundation, equality. Discriminating, all accomplishing as well. Those are the three other wisdoms. Therefore, since it is the cause of all three wisdoms, and since it produces the other three wisdoms, and the Sambhogakaya, the uh, Ornamentamani Sutra says, since it is the cause of all wisdoms, it is like a great jewel mine of wisdom. It is the Sambhogakaya, Sambhoga, Buddhahood, since the reflection of wisdom arises. Hmm. It's the Dharmakaya, but it gives rise to the Sambhogakaya, and here it's called the Samboga. Interesting. This mirror-like wisdom is called the Dharmakaya. As for the reason for this, the Compendium Mahayana says, the Dharmakaya is constituted by the Buddha-Dharma of purity, since the Dharmakaya is attained by the alaya consciousness having changed state. <laughs> uh, let's see, the Sri... whatever. Tantra. The all is mere like wisdom. This is the Dharmakaya. So a number of places the Buddha says this in various situations. Dharmakaya is the final wisdom. That is the knowledge of a Buddha. The attainment of supreme wisdom in which all reference points have come to rest in which are, there are no appearances. It is the non-duality of Dhatu and wisdom. Oh, Dhatu and wisdom. What the fuck could that be? You know, Take a minute to appreciate what a text like this does and pulling together quotes from like all these different sorts, like Longchenpa did, you know. It's like you could spend your life going through all the sutras and tantras to find a quote from a tantra that says the alia is mirror-like wisdom. Boom. (laughs) And he does that for us. What a guy, Cynthia.
3: Um, In this case, in terms of that use of alia without... You know the ambiguity in this case where he's saying the alia is mirror-like wisdom is he talking now about the pure ground no,
0: no he's talking about alia consciousness he's, he's still
3: talking about the consciousness theory he's
0: leaving out the, the alia consciousness when it changes state is the mirror like wisdom the buddha has not mentioned the alia the the other alia in any sutra or tantra of the so-called earlier, uh, later tradition. In the Nyingma Tantras, he, he starts to talk about Alia, which is one of the reasons why the Nyingma Tantras are considered to be radical. Radical. Free radicals. And let's see. This uh, Dharmakai is the final wisdom that is, we went through that. Genuine wisdom, identityless, and without appearance, is not seen. How do you know it, And huh? And Prajnaparamita beyond speech, thought, and expression, unborn and unceasing, the very nature of space, the sphere of personally experienced wisdom, mother of the victors of the three times, I pay homage to you. This is an extremely famous quote, it's uh, supposed to be from one of the Prajnaparamita sutras, but it's, let's see what this footnote says, 741. And it's repeated in the Vajjogini Sana, if any of you have ever done that practice. Cynthia, I think, you have you done yeah, that? I was just
3: going to say, that's why it sounded so familiar, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the Tibetan tradition, this verse is often said to come from Rahulabhadra's Prajnaparamita Stotra, praise of Prajnaparamita. For some lines in verse 1-2 of this text show similarities to the above verse as it stands, neither contained in the available Sanskrit, nor the equivalent. Did I get that right? Where am I? Uh, nor the equivalent Tibetan version of this text in the Tangier, where it is moreover wrongly attributed to Nagarjuna. Ah. Alternatively, it's held that this verse was spoken by Rahula, the Buddha's son, to his mother. (laughs) Hey mom, Prajnaparamita, which is the mother of all the Buddhas, that makes like total sense, sort of, by Rahula Bhadra to his mother, that was the Buddha's wife, who he ditched, by the way, just after Rahula was born, but we're not going there. Therefore, and then is,
3: barely allowed to be uh, um, whatever the the um, the Are, you, are right.
0: you denigrating the Buddha?
3: No, I'm just saying what be what happens supposedly. Just, just to the facts.
0: Just the facts, man.
3: Well, yeah.
0: Therefore, since, you were
3: denigrating him, though, you said. He was oh,
0: oh, I was, wasn't I? I'm <laughs> going <laughs> to Vajrayana. Okay. Vajrayana. Therefore, since it is the cause of all three wisdoms, hearing, contemplating, meditating, since it produces the other three wisdoms, uh, which, uh, I don't know, the uh, other three being the other three of the four, since it is the cause of all three wisdoms. I think that would be the the uh, equality, discriminating, all accomplishing, sorry. Since it, the mirror-like, and since it produces those other three wisdoms in the smoke, uh it, Somebody says, since it is the cause of all wisdoms, it is like a great jewel mine of wisdom. And it's the Samogakaya Buddha, since the reflection of wisdom arises. The reflection of wisdom, i.e., from the Dharmakaya. This mirror-like wisdom is called the Dharmakaya. Did I? I went backwards, like seriously, right? I did. Yeah, we were
3: at the bottom of the page, and we went back <laughs> to the top.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I got distracted by the mother of all the Buddhas. Uh, let's see, explaining the wisdom of equality, the second of the four wisdoms, or five, that we're going to go through. has two parts. First, what is purified, and what purifies it, the afflicted mind is overcome through the heroic stride. You can do it! (laughs) Put on those sneakers. Focusing on the Ali consciousness, the afflicted mind operates in the form of constantly imputing an I, i.e., in other words, this is the seventh. Therefore, it is always associated with the four afflictions, which we've heard a million times now. Views of a self, ignorance about a self, attachment to a self, and pride about a self. In other words, being obsessed with a self. Hence its nature is to have the characteristics of obscuring the attainment of liberation and being a real pain in the butt. This is known as the afflicted mind, which is overcome through the samadhi of the lion-like heroic stride, which bears this name. So this is a reference to a scheme of samadhis. That occur in the Mahayana sutras, and on the one hand, there's like thousands of samadhis. Some sutras like present, sorry, there's thousands of samadhis. Did I say that? Various sutras, some sutras present like just like endless samadhis. They just start like naming the samadhi of this and this and this and this and this. And And then other sutras mention four main samadhis, and one is the lion-like stride. And one is the illusion like Samadhi, and then there's two others that i I can't remember i gotta i have it somewhere I have it saved somewhere very safe where I can't find it so i can no. anyway um Uh, since it can never be taken away through the afflictions. Then the stains of mistakenness do not rise up any more due to which the wisdom of equality is attained. As for the meaning of this term, it is the wisdom which, through having familiarized with the equality of self and others on the path of training, realizes the equality of samsaric existence and peace upon attaining Buddhahood. Uh, Let's see...
3: I had these four samadhis somewhere,
0: yeah, here we go. Okay, believe it or not, from a song for the king, which is uh, by Sarha in the footnotes. It's translated by Michelle Martin, Samadhi, Meditative Stabilization that involves in undistracted, deep concentration when the practitioner's attention is especially clear and focused one pointedly. Samadhi is a Sanskrit word. The Tibetan is ting ne dzin. Many different kinds of samadhis are described in sutras. However, in the Song for the King, which is the Doha for the King by Sarha, or sometimes translated as the Royal Song by Gunther, Apsaraha four emphasized Samadhi of the lion's play, which is the one we're talking about. Samadhi that realizes all appearances to be an illusion. Samadhi of the hero's stride. Oh. oh! The lion-like hero's stride, heroic stride, huh? I wonder if he's putting two of them together anyway, and the vajra-like samadhi. And these are lined up with, uh, I think, the 8, 9, 10, and sort of 11th boomy, I believe. In, in some places. Anyway, another little interesting subtle scheme among the zillions of such things. Uh, let's see. As for the meaning of this term it is the wisdom which through... Sorry, the, uh, the stains of mistakenness do not arise up anymore, due to which the wisdom of equality is attained. As for the meaning of this term, it is the wisdom which through having familiarize I read this, sorry, it's what a little beard does to the old guy, explaining the wisdom that is the result of the purification. Once the afflictions are relinquished through seeing and familiarization, which are the third and the fourth paths, there are no afflictions, no existence, i.e. samsara, existence being a code word for samsara, no peace being a code word for nirvana. This is designated as the wisdom of equality, so the equality of samsara and nirvana. The imputed afflictions, which are coarse and externally oriented, are relinquished through the path of seeing on the third path, the first Bhumi. The imputed afflictions, which are coarse and externally oriented, and the innate afflictions, which are subtle and inwardly oriented, are relinquished through the path of familiarization. Now this is a topic of great controversy, by the way, within the Buddhist traditions of India and Tibet as to at what stage of the path the innate afflictions are relinquished. And here we have this Cogu version that puts them on the, squarely on the path of familiarization. There's acquired and innate obscurations, and acquired are the kleshas, and innate are the, uh, um, well, there's some of both, there's, there's a, uh, well, I I I uh, stray too far. There's acquired and innate and acquired are the klacias, simply f- an innate is the uh, cognitive obscurations. And there's some traditions hold that uh some of some of the innate cognitive are overcome on the path of seeing. Anyway. Therefore, there are no afflictions left after the path of familiarization. At the time of practicing the path, one cultivates non-conceptual samadhi in a pure manner and also cultivates the peace of not falling into the sides of samsara or nirvana. And here, peace refers to the non-abiding nirvana. That is not the dualistic nirvana of the shravakas. Thus, not abiding, i.e. non-abiding Nirvana neither existence or peace. Through that on the Buddha Bhumi of full Enlightenment, there is no existence, and no peace, and the Nirvana that does not abide in the two extremes is attained. Therefore, this uh, the non-abiding Nirvana. This is designated as the wisdom of equality. The wisdom of equality towards sentient beings is held to be stainless by virtue of pure cultivation, residing in non-abiding peace It is asserted to be the wisdom of equality. In this context, the factors to be relinquished through seeing and familiarization are classified as follows. So here we have a little bit of a convoluted number game that they do in terms of enumerating the obscurations to be overcome and when and, and so forth. So first, the factors to be relinquished through seen are the ten imputed afflictions. So this is a scheme, an expanded scheme of the six root kleshas, or the six root, or, uh, uh, root negative mental factors, which um, I'm going to start t- towards the end of the list. He, gives, he splits it into two fives. There's the five views and the five non-views desire anger pride ignorance and doubt those are the easier set those are like the clashes the the root clashes the five root clashes of the five buddha families in some sense and then the other are ignorance uh not (coughs) our wrong sorry wrong view the first set the five views and the five non-views So the first set of five are, when they're presented as six, are summarized as one, as being wrong view. And wrong view is extrapolated into these five things of um, holding the view of, uh, holding one's own view as being superior to everyone else's, holding one's ethics and spiritual discipline as superior to others or paramount. Uh, Oh, I skipped a bunch, sorry. Uh, Views about a real personality. I'm like totally scattered tonight. Views about a real personality, i.e. the self. Views about extremes of uh, existence and non-existence. Wrong views, which is, you know, like, come on, wrong views. Wrong views, when it glossed or elaborated, is not uh, accepting the workings of karma. Cause and effect, i.e. the Four Noble Truths. And then holding uh views as paramount one's own and holding ethics, spirit, discipline as one one's own as paramount. Okay, so wrongly engaging by these ten in the four truths. So these ten are then extrapolated against the four truths of suffering, cause, cessation, and path, and you multiply those together for the desire realm. In the desire realm, you have all ten. Um, afflictions, and you have the four truths, so you get 40 types of obscurations to overcome. So, um, uh, let's see, there are 40 factors to be relinquished in the desire realm. However, in the two higher realms, since there's no anger, the two, you can't get into the higher realms if you have anger. You have to overcome anger, aggression, Uh, So, aggression is said to be the worst thing, uh, obscuration, because it keeps you from really progressing.
1: So that means I have to get rid of my cell phone, because that's my only anger I have is against my cell phone.
0: Well, you could fall in love with your cell phone, because desire is not as bad. And it's actually a path uh, that leads into the Vajrayana. So, let's see, in the two higher realms, since there's no anger, there's nine. 9 times 4 gives us two sets of 36, one for each of the two higher realms, form and formless. Thus there's a total of 112 factors to be over relinquished through seeing. on the other hand, the factors to be relinquished through familiarization and the desire, the first of the three realms, there are six innate afflictions of desire, anger, pride, ignorance, views about a personal reality and views about extremes. Um, so we've lost Anger, but we also lost a couple of the views, right? We lost um, wrong views, views as paramount, and uh, ethics and disciplines as paramount, interestingly, right? In the two higher realms, since anger is being relinquished, there are the remaining five in each realm through these realms being classified by the four Dhyanas, the four stages of absorption of the four realm and the four formless meditative absorptions in these eight higher states, There are 8 times 5 in 8 afflictions, which equals 40. Keeping up with your math through adding the 6th of the desire realm, there are 46. And since each of these is again multiplied by 9 degrees, (laughs) from the smallest of the small to the largest of the large, which is this. Smallest of the small, the medium of the small, the large of the small, the smallest of the medium, the medium of the medium, the largest of the medium, and the smallest of the large, the medium and the large, and the large of the large. <laughs> it is explained that there are 414 factors to be relinquished through familiarization. In detail, as you would know from other texts, so between path of seeing and familiarization, you have 112 plus 414. You have 526 obscurations. so... Better get cooking so
1: just, Derek if something yes, if man. something's on both lists like desire, does that mean that's both innate and um, imputed
0: that is the implication yeah thank you okay. thank you so much for saying that yeah circling back to that so um there's actually a clear explanation of the innate and afflicted and how those apply to these it's it's like a whole very uh, uh, subtle as well as extremely important topic how uh, how the classification of these not like the details of the numbers but the general classification so I will make myself a little note and try to uh, Try to scare, share this with the obscurations. Obscurity. Yes, ma'am.
1: I thought that there was the, there's the, the one distinction is the imputational versus innate, so acquired versus innate, and then each one of those has both afflictive and cognitive.
0: That's right. That's, that's one tradition. Like. Yeah, that's the best understanding. of it. Thank you so much, yeah. So they both have afflictive and cognitive. And so when they say they overcome the imputed or acquired, they do overcome part of the cognitive. Mm-hmm. That is overcome at the path of seeing.
1: So something I like see. desire has to be overcome a lot of times many times yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) you got you got the the nine different you know it's basically like 10 times one for each boomy or something you know the nine stages line up to the you know the nine boomies of two to ten whereas the path of scene is the first boomy by the way right so everything sort of synchronizes perfectly like clockwork and that way you can tell. You can. There's actually an app that like, you can download that will tell where you are on the 526. Uh, let's see. Discriminating wisdom. What's purified and purifies it? The immediate mind, which is some part of the seventh, but uh, seems to be also part of the sixth, is seizing, since it seizes the six consciousnesses. It grasps, seizing, since it causes conceptions. It is conception. It's the, the home of conceptuality. it is overcome co- through perfect, complete prajna. And the illusion-like samadhi on the 11th Bhumi. The continuum that represents the place of the arising and ceasing of the six collections of consciousness, that is the locus that causes their arising. and. And ceasing is called the immediate mind since it produces and seizes the six consciousnesses. It is called seizing since it produces conceptions. It's also given the name conception. In any case, this conception is overcome through the perfect prajna of realizing that all phenomena are permanent, suffering, empty, and identitylessness, which is the four marks, the Mahayana scheme of the four marks. and. Of the three marks is four, and through the samadhi of knowing that all imaginations of object and mind are illusion-like. Through that, the uh, so the illusion-like samadhi, by the way, through that the immediate mind becomes discriminating wisdom. As for the meaning of this term, it is the wisdom of unimpededly knowing all phenomena and their entire variety in a distinct, instantaneous, unmistaken way. So the, uh, the mirror-like wisdom seems to be the... Uh, the wisdom of knowing the suchness of all phenomena, and discriminating wisdom is knowing the variety of the relative. Discriminating wisdom is always unimpeded toward all knowable objects, and the result of purification through this, when great poised readiness is attained, the apprehender and its reference changed state. Thus, the change of state of, uh, of conception, which represents the display of pure realms, when concept is transformed, transforms into the pure realms. Wisdom in all times and being unimpeded in all activities is discriminating wisdom. On the eighth bhumi, so we're now on the eighth bhumi when this happens, when great poised readiness for the Dharma of non-arising is attained. Readiness. One attains mastery over non-conceptual wisdom through the change of state of the afflicted mind. In the change of state of mentation, supreme mastery is attained over utter Least stainless non conceptual wisdom ensuing from mastery. Also, in the eighth Bhoomi, the apprehender and its reference change state. They switch. One of them becomes the apprehender, becomes the apprehended. Thus, through gaining mastery over pure realms, bodhisattvas attain the mastery over the display of the enjoyments of pure realms, such as Sukhavati, which is the western pure land of, Aksho, of uh, Amitabha, and Abhirata, which is the Eastern Pure Land of Akshobhya, just as they please for others to be guided. The quote says, in the change of state of the apprehender, its reference, supreme mastery is attained over pure realms in order to display enjoyments just as one pleases. Furthermore, by virtue of the conceptual mental consciousness, having changed state on this eighth Bhumi, on the ninth Bhumi, one gains mastery over the unattached and unimpeded operation of wisdom in all times. On the 10th, Bhumi one gains mastery over engaging in various enlightened activities of guiding whomever in whichever suitable ways which are unimpeded with regard to all those to be guided. The quote says, in the change of state of conception, supreme mastery is attained over wisdom and activities unimpeded in all times. As for all of this arising in a complete way in the three pure Bhumis, which is 8, 9, and 10, the quote says, by virtue of the change of mentation, perception, and conception, there is fourfold command over non-conceptuality, pure realms, wisdom, and activity. I'm a little vague on this fourfold list of mentation, perception, and conception uh, what they if they correspond to, what they correspond to, the three of those that create the fourfold command. It is held that there is fourfold mastery on the three boonies, such as the immovable which is the eighth boomy? I bl- uh. no seventh boomy. Is the movable? Huh? I think two masteries on one boomy and one on each of the others. So there's a chord. He probably clarifies which boomies are being referred to.
1: I think it's eight movable. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so on my th- chart. <laughs> oh, good. That's okay. another one we gotta have as a chart. You know, I,
1: I actually sent a bunch of charts in Lincoln yeah, classes and it yeah, covers this material.
0: Yeah Yeah. Do you have it?
1: Gotta, yeah, I have the the four wisdoms and the kayas um, And the boomies
0: too. A list of the boomies with the translation of them?
1: Well, there's a boomy what chart. A,
0: can you look, up, look a, up your look up your boomy chart and tell uh, us which number is immovable? eight. 8. Thank you. Yeah. Um, explain the latter two wisdoms as the Sambhogakaya. Thus, these two wisdoms, uh, which are the wisdom of equality and discrimination through pure cultivation, or the peace of not abiding in either existence or peace, and to have with love and compassion, and display all kinds of kayas and speech, for their retinues, in this way the Mongol of the melody the great dharma manifests. This treasury of all samadhis and dharanis is called the sambhogakaya. Thus, as for these two wisdoms of equality and discrimination just explained during the path, they arise from the pure cultivation of non-conceptual samadhi and the pure cultivation of the prajna that does not abide in other existence or peace. The nature of the wisdom of equality is to dwell in the state of the great peace of not abiding in the two extremes. Its aids refer to being endowed with great love and great compassion for all sentient beings at all times, and its function is to display all kinds of forms of Buddha Nirmanakayas for those to be guided precisely in accord with their individual inclinations. Said to be endowed at all times with great love and compassion, the image of the Buddha displays just as sentient beings aspire. The nature of discriminating wisdom is to know the entire variety of noble objects without exception in an unmixed way. Its function is to display riches for the mandalas of retinues just as they wish, and in order to sever all doubts, to display the Dharma as their speech. Therefore, this wisdom manifests the great melody of the Dharma, the Mahayana. Which descends upon the mandala of retinues, in the mandala of retinues it displays all masteries, cuts through all doubts, and rains down the great dharma. As for the fruition, since what is endowed with the measurable gates of samadhis and dharanis, and also gives rise to them and others, this is like a great, like a great treasury of all these samadhis and dharanis. It is just like a treasury of dharanis and samadhis, because the two wisdoms of quality and discrimination are endowed with such qualities. They are called the Sambhogakaya, the Buddhas. The Sambhogakaya is endowed with the five certainties. The certainty of place is to dwell in the pure realm of richly adorned akanishtha which is a pure realm of not the akanishtha that's within the realm of form, which is in samsara. The certainty of retinue is to be accompanied solely by bodhisattvas who dwell in the ten bunis. The certainty of body is to be adorned with the major and minor marks and the certainty of dharma is to teach only the mahayana only the pure dharma and the certainty of time is to remain until samsara is emptied so derek Derek, um that's me yeah
2: yeah are he saying that bodhisattvas are in a sense two places at once
0: (laughs) when they're nowhere at all where where those two places
2: well, the pure realm, where they're doing all this Sambhogakaya stuff, but then they're also here in the nirmanakaya realm, or the, you know, the... You know, that's the-
0: right, that's right. There are two places at once. They, you know, once you hit the first Bumi, you have like a, you're able to manifest in a hundred different bodies. And that increases, I think, by like either a hundred or a thousand for each subsequent Bumi.
2: Yeah, it, it, it keeps exponentially. It goes up with each booming. Yeah. So, but but in a sense, they are residing in 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 like a kind of an energy realm is the best, you know. Best the But they're also here in the in the form realm.
0: Yeah. What's a, an example of that? Like the sixteenth Karmapa. Who is a nomination of? Avalokiteshvara. And Avalokiteshvara is the bodhisattva. Yes, yes. And so he or she sort of whatever, is um, dwelling in Sukhavati. And at the same time, sends emanations to all the various universes in all the directions, infinite as the grains of sand in the Ganji, including our sad little planet. We have numerous emanations of, of Avalokiteshvara here—the Karmapas, the Dalai Lamas, and so forth.
2: Dalai Lama, yeah, of course. And I'm wondering, just as I'm, I do don't know—I mean, but I'm just wondering, somehow, the the Vajrayana practices of, of of Guru Yoga and visualization and all that seem to kind of connect to this energy in a sense, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're connecting to your guru, who's an emanation of one of those bodhisattvas, who's an emanation of one of the five buddhas. Right, and, you, and, and, and you're and you're sort
2: of top. purifying your mind stream to do that.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, and it's within this sort of karmic framework of like, what's our connection of the five families, and what does that mean in terms of energy and path and so forth and technique. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cosmic, actually, right? Yeah, it's,
2: it's psychedelic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. Uh, let's see. So we went through the five certainties. In all the realms, the sambhogakaya differs in terms of attracting retinues, Buddha realms, names, bodies, dharma, enjoyment, and activities. So the five certainties, place, the Akanisha, certainty of the retinue, is the Bodhisattva's who dwell in the ten Bhumis. Sometimes it's restricted to the pure Bhumis you see. And then the certainty of body uh, or teacher is uh, the Buddha with the major and minor marks, Samogakaya Buddha. The Dharma is the Mahayana Dharma, and the time is all time, this timeless time, the fourth time. Explaining all accomplishing wisdom. Uh, what is to be purified and purifies it as for the five sense gates and a part of meditation, true actuality is seen and realized as reality through the 16 wisdoms, which will go through, such as poised readiness <laughs> uh, for cognition, which arise from correct imagination correct imagination, not false imagination, and entail the aspects of the principles of the Four Realities. The path of seeing, which arises from the correct imagination of the path of preparation, the second of the Five Paths, and the path of seeing arises, the third path from that, it arises from the correct imagination, from the the, uh, the uh, treading of the path relinquishes the consciousnesses of the five gates of the sense faculties, such as the eye consciousness, and a part of the sixth consciousness, the mentation. In other words, it relinquishes the consciousnesses of the five sense gates together with one part of the mental consciousness, so five and a half consciousnesses, let's say, that is outwardly oriented. So this interesting way of splitting the sixth consciousness into two types, two aspects, similar to how we split the Seventh Consciousness into two aspects earlier, one being the the defiled mind or the afflicted mind, and the other being the Stainless Mind. Um, As for the path of seeing, each one of all the realities that exist as the principles of the Four Realities, which is Carl's translation of the Four Noble Truths um entails the aspects of the four wisdoms that we just went through. This refers to fourfold dharma cognition. Now here's an explanation of a very cool scheme that that uh is provided in various texts ranging from Shravakas to Mahayana, which explains the path of seeing as having sixteen instants or aspects And it's the Four Noble Truths extrapolated by four qualities for each one, makes 16 aspects. And there's this idea that one understands all 16 completely and non-conceptually and thoroughly, and thereby achieves the the path of seeing. And one of the questions that arises in the tradition is, um, does one experience them sequentially? And if so, at what point does the path of seeing arise, or do they happen simultaneously and thereby bring about the path of seeing simultaneously? And one resolution is that the first fifteen arise sequentially and the sixteenth arises. (laughs) Which, never mind, that's like saying this sequentially. Um, Well, that the path of seeing doesn't really arise until the sixteenth is experienced, and the first fifteen Are the path of preparation but we cripple over details or at least i do anyway the four dharmas this fourfold dharma cognition poised readiness for dharma cognition dharma cognition and there's two sets of two in this scheme of four you have dharma cognition first there's the poised readiness for it and then there's the actual dharma cognition then you have the poised readiness for subsequent cognition and subsequent cognition now, many other places you'll see this this presented as the patient uh, endurance of dharma cognition or subs or subsequent cognition, so that the second phase is described as a patience. I think it might be the first one, but there's patience-like factors into it. I'll I'll find that as well. It's cool. The poised readiness for the Dharma cognition of suffering is the uncontaminated wisdom that directly sees the true nature, of reality of suffering, and relinquishes the factors to be relinquished through seeing with regard to suffering, seeing re- referring to the path of seeing. The words such as in New York, uh, which stands for this text, distinguishing consciousness and wisdom, include the following three wisdoms, which are the two through four the dharma cognition of suffering is the liberation right after the poised readiness for dharma cognition that is manifesting the cognition that suffering is unarisen so first there's the poised readiness (coughs) for dharma cognition which is seeing the nature of suffering and then the next step is seeing the nature of basically the cessation of suffering the readiness for the subsequent cognition of suffering is the the third one is um, the subsequent, you know, what happens after you experience that, is the uncontaminated prajna that manifests in oneself as the insight that the two preceding wisdoms are the causes of the qualities of all the noble ones. Like those two preceding ones give rise to all the qualities. So one then realizes that those, the experience one just went through, is like brings about then all the positive qualities of the noble ones. the unusual qualities the subsequent cognition of suffering is the of fully realizing retaining that preceding readiness for subsequent cognition so it's like you have an insight and then it settles in then you have another insight and that settles in through the 16 wisdoms which are these four applied to the four aspects of the four noble truths uh the previously unseen true actuality of the nature of phenomena is directly and freshly seen and realized this ultimate reality which becomes all accomplishing wisdom as for the meaning of this term it is the wisdom of spontaneously accomplishing actions for the benefit of sentient beings in infinite worldly realms through all kinds of effortless means explaining the kayas that are result of this purification do this so it's 909 um i'd like to like Go through the end of this, which probably is like another fifteen minutes, so I'm hoping that you guys can hang in there and if you can't and need to leave, please just say goodbye and let us know and we'll We'll all say goodbye to you at nine fifteen or whatever, or as you leave um, the chaosius through this, the five sense faculties change state master and engagement of all objects, and the twelve hundred qualities of all boomies that we saw. Ah uh, no, this is a different list. Twelve hundred. <laughs> the culmination of such mastery is all accomplishing wisdom. It accomplishes the welfare of all sentient beings in all realms through various immeasurable and incalculable—no, oh, sorry, inconceivable emanations. And this is the great Nirmanakaya. <clears throat> Thus, at the time of realizing reality in the path of seeing and attaining the first boomi, the mistakenness of the consciousnesses of the five sense faculties such as the eye, becomes pure and changes state, since each sense faculty engages in each one of the five sense objects. Each faculty masters engagement in all objects. That's interesting. And bodhisattvas master the beginning of all the qualities of the Bhumis, the 1200 qualities that are present on the first Bhumi, called Supreme Joy. On that first Bhumi, one gains mastery over, in one moment, one, beholding the faces of a hundred buddhas. Listening to the Dharma of a hundred Buddhas, issuing forth a hundred emanations. And so this is on the first Bhumi, by the way, displaying them for a hundred ayahans. Listening to the Dharma of a hundred Buddhas, issuing forth a hundred emanations. There we have the hundred emanations on the first Bhumi, Displaying each of them for a hundred ayahans. One's wisdom engaging in a hundred past and future lifetimes, resting in a hundred samadhis, emerging from these hundred samadhis. Lot of lot of hundreds shaking a hundred (laughs) realms shaking a hundred (laughs) realms. Illuminating a hundred realms with light. Opening a hundred gates of Dharma, displaying a hundred of one's own bodies. I thought we went through that, but displaying each of these bodies as being surrounded by a hundred perfect retinues. In the change of state of the five sense faculty, supreme mastery is attained over the perception of all their objects and the arising of twelve hundred qualities in all of them. Furthermore, as an ancillary, one should know that according to the Das Dasha Bhumi sutra, the ten Bhumis, on the second Bhumi one gains mastery of a thousand times the above-mentioned twelve qualities, thus beholding the faces of a thousand Buddhas, and so on. Which is not a thousand times a hundred. It does not become a thousand. It's a right and so on. On the third Bhumi one gains million, million two. On the fourths, 120 million, on the fifths, and so forth, <laughs> their number equals 12 times the atoms in a million butter realms. <laughs> on the 9th boomy, their number equals 12 times the atoms in a million innumerable butter realms. And on the 10th boomy, their number equals 12 times the atoms in a hundred million innumerable butter realms. Through the culmination of such mastery, and the Buddha only is called all accomplishing wisdom. The function of this wisdom is to accomplish the welfare of all sentient beings in all worldly realms throughout the manifestation of various immeasurable and conceivable emanations beyond limit. So, in other words, Buddha Shakyamuni, because he did this, you know, by the way, we saw one of his emanations, and he had a few others elsewhere by like an order of ridiculous magnitude. All accomplishing wisdom accomplishes the welfare of all sentient beings in all realms to various and conceivable and immeasurable, or the other way around, emanations from among the three kayas, this all accomplishing wisdom is the great nirmana uh, the Nirmanakayas of the Buddha are various kinds of indefinite emanations that promote the welfare of others. They are classified as supreme emanations who display the 12 deeds of a Buddha, such as Buddha Shakyamuni. Artistic emanations, this is a cool way that they classify the Nirmanakaya in these three ways, such as the emanation of a skillful singer in order to tame Pramudita, the king of the Vindarvas. So, artistry. Arts. The arts are like considered nirmanakaya. Is that like the most amazing promotion of artistic creativity? It's like nirmanakaya. It's so cool. And then incarnate emanations such as emanating as a deer. <laughs> he left out also like things that are are, are helpful to human beings, like the, the traditional example is building bridges. And there was a guy in Tibet named Tang Tong who. Uh, I don't know if he invented it, but he like went all out on chain link, iron chain link bridges, you know, a lot of bridges in Tibet and there you can imagine most of them being pretty funky and he came along and said, you know, let's make real bridges and he built like hundreds of these bridges Uh, through artistry and incarnation and great alignment always demonstrating nirvana. The Nirmanakaya of the Buddha is the great means for liberation, this manner which the three kayas derive from the purity of mind, mentation, and consciousness. The triad is stated in the Suvarna Prabhasara, the sutra of golden light. Uh, sutra through relinquishing the alias consciousness, the dharmakaya is displayed through mentation. So relinquishing the alias consciousness, that's mind. The dharmakaya is displayed through mentation. Seventh, which rests in it, having become pure, the arise arises, is displayed, and through the consciousnesses that engage entities, i.e., six through one, having become pure, the Nirmanakaya is displayed. Explaining Dharmadhatu wisdom as the Svabhavakakaya, the fifth wisdom, the actual and critical analysis of the Kayas, the actual explanation is the three Kayas, including their activities, which are the changes of state of mind, mentation, consciousness are perfected as the mandala of the dharmadhatu, free from reference points, that everything in samsara nirvana without beginning arises, sorry, abides, free from being one or different, is held to be the Swabhavaka kaya, so this alternate name for the dharmakaya. And uh, the significance and subtlety of its renaming is subtle, (laughs) remains subtle. The three kaya's including their activities are the freedom from stains and the changes of state, of mind, mentation, and the six collections of consciousness, respectively. They are perfected in an inseparable way as one in in the mandala of the dhatu, of all dharmas, free from all reference points. In the mandala of the dhatu of all dharmas, the sphere of all dharmas, dharma-dhatu, free from apprehender and apprehended, they cannot be designated as samsara-nirvana. They're before Samsara Nirvana, Dharmadhatu. They're not different in type or actuality without beginning and end, and neither one nor different. To abide free from all reference points of such kinds of characteristics is held to be Dharmadhatu wisdom and the kaya. So, right there, this phrase, he says, some Dharmadhatu wisdom, which is like one aspect of the Dharmakaya, and the swabhavikaya is the other aspect of it. And the subtlety of that eludes me, and that's why I was late, actually. I was like searching for this reference to these two types of dharmakai. But
2: I we're actually doing, doing this right now in, in Mahayana study path at, at NBNY. And uh, one thing that came up for Svabhaka Kaya in this week's class is Svabhaka means nature.
0: Right. There's nature and there's wisdom. There's so the jnana, two coming there's together. There's Jnana Dharmakaya, which is the the, the wisdom dharmakaya, and then there's the nature dharmakaya. And the nature dharmakaya somehow implies that it's like the bridge to manifestation into the other kayas. That's the best that I get from it. And it's the
2: union of all three.
0: In the sense of of being dharmakaya but then giving rise to its aspect that gives rise to the other two yeah yeah. thank you um in view of different dispositions in view of uselessness (laughs) in view of completeness and in view of no beginning uselessness buddhahood is not single nor is it multiple (laughs) since there is no difference in the stainless ground as for the meaning of the term dharmadhatu wisdom it is the completely pure dharmadhatu which is like a pure sky free from the clouds of the two obscurations that is the locus of the qualities of the noble ones and the wisdoms arising from suchness the sutra says the suchness of all phenomena has the characteristic of being endowed with or being pure of the two obscurations respectively suchness of all phenomena dharmadhatu interesting he can't remember the source he just said of the sutra um, the critical analysis of the kayas. some other texts, the victor taught this as the Dharmakaya. What is the, this? In this case, mirror-like wisdom is called the wisdom kaya, and the others, the two Rupakayas, right? So that's the general scheme that he's been providing. In, in some other, that the Dharmadhatu wisdom is the Dharmakaya and mirror-like. Well, see, he presented mirror-like as the Dharmakaya. And now, and in this text, he's presented the Dharmadhatu wisdom as the Svabhavaka I don't know. Subtle difference. Anyway, another Mahayana text, the omniscient Victor, hey, Victor taught this present explanation of the Svabhavaka as the Dharmakaya. In this case, mirror-like wisdom as taught above, is called the Svabhavaka which is different than his whole presentation he just went through where mirror-like was Dharmakaya. <laughs> so now he's saying there's an alternate system, you know, take what you, take, pick what you'd like. Um, the mirror-like is called the Subhavaka Kaya or the Wisdom Kaya and the three other Wisdoms of Equality, Discrimination, All Accomplishment of the two Rubakaya. So the mirror-like becomes the Subhavaka Kaya which is like the bridge between the, the Dharmakaya that has the Dharmadhaja wisdom, and the Sambhogakaya and the Nirmana In this context, in the general system of Mahayana teachings, the Kaya's of the Buddha are definitely three in number, Dharmakaya for one's, as one's own welfare, and the two Rupa kayas, as accomplishing the welfare of others. One should know that the Kaya's of the Buddhas consist of the three Kaya's. Through these three Kaya's, the welfares of oneself and others, including their foundation, are shown there are also some texts in which what is called so Bhavakakaya is held to be equivalent to an synonym for Dharmakaya It's so cool that he addresses this Dharmakkasha like you know acknowledges this is like a confusing thing first. The Swabhavaka kaya is the Dharma kaya, the Tathagata, since it is the basis of mastery of all dharmas. So he acknowledges it, but let's see if he clarifies it totally. Moreover, in terms of differentiating these two kayas to the isolates, uh, Dhatu and Wisdom, the isolates of Dhatu and Wisdom. Now, isolates means, is a way of describing that there's two aspects, two conceptual characterizations of um, of something as being uh, uh, um, as having these two a- different aspects, so you can say like, uh, Buddhahood has wisdom and compassion. Those are two as isolates, or two ways of describing the uh, two characteristics that one can describe of the same thing. So then the quest, the the way the the reason he says isolates is he's trying to re- remove us from the the usual habitual predilection to think, well, they're two different things. And they're two different entities. And they're saying, no, no, they're two isolates. They're two ways of that same quality being experienced. So the same quality of Buddhahood has wisdom and compassion, and we view them as two different things. But they're really just these, they're isolates. They're conceptual isolates on the same single entity of Buddhahood. Is it
3: also true that the five, what we talk about is the five wisdoms or the four wisdoms are isolates also?
0: Ultimately, yes. Yes. (laughs) But ultimately, like everything, (laughs) everything. But uh, it's not quite as everything. So the
3: word isolates could solve all our problems, essentially.
0: (laughs) Right. It's like inclusiveness, you know. It's like the way of understanding
3: things. Like saying same but different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same but different. That's good.
3: From different,
0: the <laughs> same. Compassion is weak. Ah, uh, I have no idea where I am now. Here we go. They are classified as the Swabhava Kaya. The Buddha Dharma is free from the adventitious stains that have to be relinquished within the naturally pure Dharma and the Dharmakaya of realization. So. The two isolates of Datu and wisdom, they are classified as the Subhavakaya, which is the Buddha Dharma free from the adventitious stains that have to be relinquished within the naturally pure Dhatu. What the hell is the naturally pure Dhatu? That's the naturally pure element or realm. Uh, my hunch is it's like the, the naturally pure disposition. You know, he's using Dhatu as equivalent to Gotra of element, uh, gene. The naturally pure, there's naturally pure genes and there's not pure genes. So he's saying that is Kaya um, is the, the, those, you know, the pure genes, it seems. And the Dharmakayas is of realization, which I think is the Jnana Dharmakaya, the wisdom Dharmakaya which he says are the 21 sets of uncontaminated qualities that are realized by it, so the 21 types of understanding, while their essence comes down to being the same thing. You know, this isolates. Those who have attained purity in every respect in the uncontaminated dharmas, There is is the svabhavakakaya of the sage, which bears the characteristics of the nature of these, of these, these what? In brief, since the aspect of twofold purity is classified as the Kaya, and the aspect of ultimate wisdom as the Dharmakaya, the aspect of twofold purity purity uh, this this refers to the original purity and the purity that is brought about by the past and uh, one of them is the Subhavaka Kaya, one of them is the Dharmakaya. They are contained in the presentation of the three Kayas. And additionally, one speaks of the two Kayas. Uh, you know, he's saying there's various ways of presenting the Kayas. First there's the three, then there's Subhavaka Kaya, which makes four, and what is that? And then he says, well, sometimes there's just two Kayas. Uh, that is one's own welfare being the ultimate Dharmakaya, and the welfare of others being the Rubhakaya, which he calls seeming because they're. Uh-huh, seemingly foreign bodies also since there are no other dharmas apart from the all-pervading dharmadhatu when divided in terms of isolates these kinds are different but their essence is indivisibly same but different with this in mind the buddha said and here we have a quote from the vajacetika prajnaparamita sutra which is in english the famous diamond sutra the buddhas are seen by way of the dharma The guides are dharmakaya indeed so this is a famous thing he says in many contexts he says even in the hinayana sutras sutras he says you see the buddha by seeing the, the the non the formless body of the buddha the dharmakaya you don't see the buddha by seeing the form similar uh this means that all kayas are included in the dharmakaya alone and this is similar to you know what do we take refuge in the buddha the dharma song really we take refuge in the Buddha, and really we see the Dharma Kaya. Really, there's one or well, there's one Kaya, the Dharma Kaya. Uh, thus, these and many other divisions, summaries of the Kayas are taught. One may wonder whether the three Buddha Kayas are one or different. Even though we just told us, just the space is indivisible from the nature of space, <laughs> in the undefiled Dhatu, the Buddhas are not different. The undefiled Ambedhatu, I guess. Still, um. Since Buddhas arise from the preceding practice of bodhisattva conduct of each, each individual sentient being who is to become a Buddha, they're not one either. You know, so it's like, are all the Buddhas the same? Is Shakyamuni just like the same as all the other Buddhas? Are they all just like one Buddha and they just like appear to have different manifestations, you know? And he's like, they're the same but different. And the undefiled Dacha Buddhas are neither one nor many, since they have no body, just like space, yet in accord with their previous bodies. <laughs> Nevertheless, there also appears the explanation the Dharmakai and the Samoghai of all Buddhas are one, but the manners of promoting the welfare of beings through their Nirmanakai are different. So, one version is, well, the Dharmakai are all the same. And the other version is, well, Dharmakai and smoke are all the same.
2: And the Nirmanakai
0: are different. Since these manners follow their former aspiration prayers, the enlightened activities of uh, body, speech, and mind of the three but operate spontaneously in a conceivable, effortless, non conceptual way, and in accordance with the thinking thinking rather of those to be guided for as long as there are worldly realms, even if an orb infinite orbs of suns were to appear. <laughs> Um, the function of all of them is to dry up swamps, eliminate darkness, and ripen seedlings. Likewise, the enlightened activities of all Buddhas drive up the swamp of samsara, eliminate the darkness of ignorance, and ripen the seedlings of enlightenment. Therefore, the enlightened activities of all Buddhas operate as one. When the time to be guide those to be guided has come, the enlightened activities of Buddhas never fail to be timely, and these activities take place in a way of guiding whomever is to be guided by whatever means suitable. Through the enlightened activities of Buddha, sorry, though the enlightened activities of Buddha's benefit sentient beings, uh, sorry, infinite sentient beings, they are inexhaustible, and the extent of their actions of body, speech, and mind equals the sky, manifesting uninterruptedly until when samsara is emptied. The extensive manner of their enlightened activities should be known from these various sources, the Manama Mahayana Sutras, the Supreme Continuum, and other texts the summary of the meaning of consciousness and wisdom so here we have a wonderful summary like of the of the texts which is cool buddhahood is the manifestation of the nature of the five wisdoms and four kayas, the alia is what possesses the saints i.e the alia vijnana of mind mentation and consciousness so it possesses those three its stainlessness is called the heart of the victors the stainless quality is the Tathagatagarbha. What overcomes impure imagination is pure imagination. Good predispositions overcome negative ones, from which the power of the prajna of the noble ones arise. arises, seizing it is taught to be the reality of the path instead of seizing confusion. To summarize the meaning of the above explanations, once all sentient beings are free from what is imaginary, which is all the adventitious stains of the mistakenness of apprehender and apprehended they manifest as the unchanging nature of the primordial naturally present five wisdoms in the four cause and this is called buddha sentient beings are buddhas indeed however they are obscured by adventitious stains if these are removed they are buddhas now Garjana and his praise to dharmadatta says due to just that being purified what is such circlings cause samsara's <laughs> cause this is very purity is then nirvana. Likewise, Dharmakaya is just like this. It's just this the inseparability of samsara and nirvana. The alia is what possesses the stains of mind, mentation, the six collections of all which appears apprehended and apprehended as a root of mistakenness, called alia with stains or alia consciousness. While possessing the stains of these eight collection of consciousnesses, its own nature abides as the nature of stainlessness, which is called the heart of the victors. Its true nature is the Hotaga Dagarbha, and is present in an unchanging way during all phases of ground, path and fruition, so the Buddha-nature doesn't change, the Dhatu, the Gotra changes. Since it is associated with flaws that are adventitious, and endowed with qualities that are towards its very nature, it is the same before as after, this very famous quote, it is the same before as after, this is the changeless nature of phenomena. What obscures this Buddha heart is pure impure imagination. So when you imagine things, make sure you imagine purely. Spotless are the sun and moon, but obscured by fivefold stains, these are clouds and smoke and mist, Rahu's face and dust as well. Similarly, the mind, so luminous, is obscured by fivefold stains: their desire, malice, laziness, agitation, and doubt also. The Victor Maitreya says, in hostility towards the Dharma views about self-fear of suffering and not considering the welfare of sentient beings, these are the four obscurations of those with great desire, Tiritika Shravakas and Pratyaka Buddhas. As for the remedies that overcome these four types of obscuring, impure imagination and the mind streams of these four types of beings, causes the causes of purification of the four properties of aspiring and so forth. And the so forth is perspiring and this is explained just below accordingly through the seed of aspiration for and confidence in the mahayana which is the first one as well as through the mother-like prajna that realizes identitylessness which arises from pure correct imagination one comes to be endowed with womb-like blissful dhyanas and samadhis womb-like blissful that's a cool characterization as well as compassion which is like a nurturing nanny. <laughs> Consequently, what becomes the child of the victors who has entered the path and is gradually seizing the power of the Prajna, and the noble ones, more and more, which is taught to be the reality of the path. In this context, Rangan Dorje holds, what arises from correct imagination is the object of the noble ones, the power of Prajna. What bears the meaning of seizing, this very power is taught to be the reality of the path. So, this is the positive seizing of the path. Instead of the negative seizing that causes samsara. Accordingly, the position of the omniscient, i.e., fifth Kuncho is to explain that the term dharma, in addition to applying to nine other meanings, which is a reference to the famous ten meanings of the term dharma that are presented by uh, Vasubandhu in his Treasury of Dharmadhatu, and explained, by the way, Trung in his uh, Profound Treasury, Volume 1. Um is explained that the term dharma in addition to applying to nine other meanings also has the sense of seizing everything. Dharma is seizing everything, seizing all dharmas, uh, seizing all appearance. Due to that here it means that when applying oneself to the dharmas of the path, one is seized through the path of the Mayana so as to not fall into the two extremes. According, uh, sorry, alternatively, what is found in the stream of the guiding instructions of the mighty learning masters is as follows. And here we go through the paths in the very cool presentation on the path of accumulation. The first, by virtue of engagement, through aspiration. So, this emphasis on aspiring, cultivating bodhicitta, aspiring to enlightenment. Going through the motions, but basically aspiring in that way. There's the seizing of something to be relinquished. So we understand that there's something to be given up. Renunciation on the path of preparation, there's the seizing of remedies. Ah, figure out how to overcome what needs to be relinquished. On the impure boomies, one through seven, there's the seizing of the non-duality, what of is to be relinquished and remedy. We realize that these are not, that this, uh, what's to be relinquished and the remedy to it are non-dual, are illusory distinction on the three pure realms they're the seizing of the result of buddhahood gradually seizing buddhahood therefore these are taught to be the reality of the path to summarize the meaning of these points the nature of phenomena the suga's heart being obscured by the adventitious stains of mistakenness the triad of mind meditation and consciousness is ascension being so being confused with ascension being being unconfused as the Buddha making efforts to purify these stains through the remedies is called the person who has entered the path, being completely liberated from the cocoon of stains that is the manifestation of the primordial pleasant kayas and wisdoms is the Buddha. It's being impure, both impure and pure and completely pure in due order express as sentient beings, bodhisattvas, and Buddhas. We've seen this quote a number of times. Conclusion which says three parts begin with the purpose of explaining the text because they do not realize the way of being of the ultimate the oblivious roam the ocean of samsara, they will not reach the other shore through anything except for the ship of the Mahayana, childish beings who are obscured by the avatitious stains, mistakenness, ordinary beings, and those who have entered the Hinayana do not realize the way of being of the ultimate basic state that is clearly taught in the text of the profound and vast Mahayana, the nature of consciousness, the phenomena of samsara and nirvana, and of wisdom, and nirvana, because... Uh, sorry, phenomenon of samsara and of wisdom nirvana. Because of that, those who are oblivious by virtue of the obscurations of ignorance, such as clinging to me and mine, driven fiercely by the wind of karma, helplessly roam the great ocean of the suffering of samsara since beginning in this time. Those who possess the insight to desire liberation from this misery rely on this great ship of the Mahayana, which is superior to the Hinayana, through the seven greatnesses that are in the notes. Uh, Except for that, they can reach the other shore of that ocean of suffering through through any other means. They cannot. And the seven greatnesses are like greater range, greater aspiration, greater, etc. Therefore, for those who desire to attain the great non-abiding nirvana, nothing but the realization of the Mahayana. This Mahayana principle, the nature of consciousnesses and wisdom, is important. As the Prajnaparamita Samchaya Gata The verses on the essence of Prajnaparamita, whatever mounts it leads all sentient beings, whoever mounts it leads all sentient beings to nirvana, this yana is like space, (laughs) a greatly immense palace, it is the supreme yana for attaining delight. Ease and happiness, aspire for realizing it. May all realize this true actuality. Sentient beings are, in general, those who've been our fathers and mothers from beginningless time, and in particular, the fortunate ones to be guided. May all of them first do the project of studying, understanding this Dharma principle, which embodies the heart of the Mayana, i.e., the distinction between consciousness and wisdom, this great explanation of the three prajnas. In the middle, experience it through contemplation. And at the end, realize the natural state, just as it is through meditation. May they truly attain the great enlightenment and not abide in the extremes of samsara and nirvana. How the text was composed, this treatise on the distinction between consciousness and wisdom, was composed by Rang Jandorji in the mountain retreat of Upper Deja in the first day of the tenth month in the year of the pig. 1335, the base of the in a phenomenon samsara that entails mistakenness consists of the eight collections of consciousness which exists in sentient beings. The nature of nirvana that is free from mistakenness is the principle of wisdom which appears in Buddhas. The distinction between these two lies in this stainless treatise that clarifies this meaning properly. It was excellently composed by the Vajra Dorje, by the Vajra, i.e., Dorje of emptiness, prajna, self arisen, wrong jung. That's like a gloss on his name, Rang Dorje. Indestructible and self-arisen emptiness from non-referential compassion, which is the means, who liberates beings from all the shackles of existence and uh, peace, meaning one-sided peace. This was accomplished in the mountain retreat, free from hustle and bustle. (laughs) That's a Tibetan phrase, by the way, you didn't know that came into the English language sometime in the early 1900s, called Upper Dachyan in is central Tibet, where it's uh, the monastery of the Karmapaz uh the Mandala Wheel of Enlightened Mind on the auspicious first day of the 10 months in the first year of the pig within the 6th Tibetan 60-year cycle. So 6 times 60 is 360, it's the year 1335. So they must have started somewhere around 965 or something. It was written in a manner of summarizing the meaning so that it may be understood easily. That was maybe when the uh, Long Dharma was killed or something, I don't know. For this text, we have a number of commentarial traditions, such as its outline by the Venerable Ramjandorje himself, an extensive commentary by his spiritual son, Sherab Rinchen, notes by the fifth Shamarpa that summarized the meaning, and interlinear commentary by the powerful learned one, La Lumpa, which is the result of his own independent analysis. However, cherishing the very words of the of Victor Rangjung Dorje, I wrote a small commentary that is easy to understand, by the way, and clear in meaning. Without elaborating a detailed explanation, from among all the words of the Buddha, the most marvelous, the innermost quintessence of the Mahayana, few in words but vast in meaning, was illuminated by the second Victor Rangjung Dorje since its meaning is profound and vast my mind cannot fathom it just as it is with the eye of insight that sees just a fraction this is john conchal being humble i wrote this down so that others of equal fortune may attain this heart liberated from the cocoon of mistaken consciousness the radiance of wisdoms and kayas spreads through everlasting and all pervasive enlightened activity may the welfare of beings whose number equals the sky be accomplished. Up to this day, the reading transmissions for the one major and the two minor texts of Venerable Jindorje, as well as the continuity of explanations on these source texts, have remained in an uninterrupted way. Therefore, with my mind set only on being of service to the excellent speech of the second omniscient victor, not for the sake of competing through the ambition to be a famous scholar, but motivated by the superior intention of thinking, wouldn't it be good if this pure lineage didn't become interrupted? <laughs> which was my inspiration for this class, of course. I, Carmen Awong yun alias, alias Lodrotai, so that's his, his ordination in Carmen Awong a reflection of someone erudite uh, and trained in virtue, a reflection, like a, a mere apparition, like a poor imitation, composed this in Pei Pung's, which is uh, Situr Rinpoche's main monastery because he was absconded by Situr Rinpoche, Mr. Among Most secluded place, Kun Song Dejan O And that was his compromise. He's escaped the main monastery of Pei up into one of its retreat centers on the Mount. May virtue increase. Hear, hear. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Only uh, half an hour. <laughs> Over time, thank you so much for all hanging on there. Really appreciate it. So, by the way, uh, maybe I'll circulate this, but uh, it's called uh, Transcending Ego, Distinguishing Consciousness from Wisdom, commentary by Tronga Rinpoche. It has the root verses of Rongjong Dorje, and he clearly used Drama Rinpoche's commentary. Very small book. And then another one called The Lamp that Dispels Darkness, a little hard to see with the light right so i'll circulate these which is commentary on the same text and this is by karma tinley who's a subsequent emanation or her re, rebirth or whatever of the karma tinley who wrote one of the texts in this book that we went through recently and uh so there were some follow-up like charts and stuff maybe we'll get uh, between Henrietta, myself, and Cynthia, maybe we can circulate some of those. And uh, any last comments and s- questions or suggestions while I have a piece of my divine chocolate bar?
2: I got to say goodbye. My dog is asking for a walk.
0: <laughs> That's hard to ignore. Yeah, yeah well, I got to take her. Time so. timing, time <laughs> is everything. <laughs>
2: Thank you for this course. Thank you
0: so Thank much. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for uh, being present. And also, I got a little, t- uh, some sort of message from Brent. Thank you so much, all of you, for your contributions. I really appreciate it. My, my library really needs that help. <laughs> and uh, what else? Anyone else? So it seems like the way that was written out you're supposed to
1: go directly to full enlightenment and work your way backwards, right? And you go from the 10th boomy to the first boomy?
0: <laughs> from the 10th boomy to the first? I don't... I But at the beginning of the text, there was like the, the fruition, and then he works through the path, right? I don't think he worked through the path in opposite order, though, did he? No. <laughs> You're just kidding. Yeah. It's a neat text. Isn't this, this last one great? Yeah,
1: well, it was really good. I like.
0: We could have gone through this one, like for the whole course. It just like gone really slow. <laughs> this was the one that I was like, did the whole course for. And I didn't feel good pulling it out of the book and like doing it alone. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a the Garber one, some other interesting ones. Why not? And it's easier for me, right? <laughs>
1: just get a book. One thing I was uh, I was looking at the intro again. I think it was the intro, and uh, Carl talks about um, Jungon controls. I mean, he was the Rime guy, right? So he sort of brings together all these truths. That, that sort of explained to me why we were talking about all the foundational structures that we talked about last week. He was going over. All the um, the different uh, we had all these questions about why are we talking about these things again? And I guess is that because he likes to bring in all these um, teachings from uh, earlier, or the Hinayana? I guess you could call it.
0: So so that it becomes helpful and useful. Yeah,
1: exactly. So So that we
0: understand. What do we experience as sentient beings and what what is the true reality of those?
1: He's not discarding that. He's building on it, sort of.
0: Right. Um. Right. And just just didn't keep saying, and all of this is mind. Mm -hmm. And that made it a little bit odd. But it's basically like, you know, one of the main uh, skillful means of Buddhism is to describe in what way we're confused and how we create confusion as a way of then leading into how do we undo confusion. You have to un- understand the methodology of confusion in order to undo it. Otherwise, you just go through motions. You know, you sit, and you meditate, and you you chant, and you do these things. You don't really know what you're doing, which, you know, maybe works too. But I, I did do that all
1: week. Every time I meditated, good. I said, everything is mine. And it really helped. I
0: was visualizing the things we've been reading, you know, more yeah, that's internalizing cool. it. Yeah, it yeah, really cool. worked. Yeah, practice. try doing that. So uh, then take that a little step further, just a tiny bit, and do it in uh, subsequent attainment. Do it in post meditation. Do it, i.e., the rest of your life. While you're walking around, experience the dreamlike quality of existence, which doesn't mean, you know, you're like saying things don't matter, right? No, no. It, it just it makes things more real. You know, Interesting. You're, you're seeing like, what's really
1: real and getting rid of the the, the illusions. Yeah, I mean, that's
0: what he said. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Basically. Yeah. You see, you see what's real in that. You see the suffering and the confusion that's going on, as opposed to like paying attention, being to- um, only fixated by the manifestation of that by in the harsh language or this or that that goes on. It's hard to when it manifests in such extreme ways as it does in this world realm. So it's late. Thank you so much for continuing. Um, this is uh, around the time of year when I started the remake Shedra 18 years ago. So for me, it's like we've we finished, I, don't, I, I can't do the counting, we started in 2004, this is 22, does that mean we finished 17 years or we finished 18? I don't know, one or the other. And uh, we. our first class was on the Madhyamaka, the entry into the Madhyamaka was an introduction to that text by Chandra Kirti. And there's two people in this class other than me that were in that class, and one is Cynthia been through all of them and the other is neil who didn't make it and then the second class of that morgan was in i believe and rob and some others but it's been a long time <laughs> 18 years of rematiation so thank you all very much and uh um, and what's
1: next again
0: what's next the idea was uh to do uh exploration of meditation and i've uh I've been really getting to the way that meditation is presented by Alan Wallace, oh, right. my, my new guru, <laughs> my new teacher. <clears throat> and uh, I've been listening to uh, retreats that he's held. He's, he's done these eight week retreats over the last few years. And last, in 2020, it was on Zoom. But otherwise, they were in person and they record them. And so you subscribe, you pay, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks or something for this. And you get 92 recordings. (laughs) And uh, they're not all by him, thank God. But no, there were 92 by him. And then there were another like 60 from two other people between them.
1: So does that, do you mean, so...
0: Will we be... No, no, but that's how I've been studying his teachings. Uh-huh. And he presents meditation in many different books, and he basically gives commentaries on two really cool Nyingma texts. One is this uh, uh, text uh, by Padmasambhava called Natural Liberation, where he goes through the liberation of the six bardos. And in the liberation, it's the liberation by hearing. You know, we've, we're all, we we all hear or know the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and we're going on, but uh, we know the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And the Tibetan Book of the Dead is one of those six. It's the Liberation Through Hearing and the Bardo, if you've ever seen the the subtitle of that book. It's the Liberation Through Hearing. So what you do when somebody dies is you repeat that text, the portions of that text. You read it to the dead person because they're still hearing and that helps by hearing it. It reminds it help it's supposed to wake them up and helps them to understand what's happening and to mm-hmm. recognize it and become enlightened in the after in the Bardo state and then there's the Bardo of seeing and tasting and wearing and let's see hearing it's like the sense of seeing, hearing, tasting, wearing, and then there's the Bardo of meditation, and there's one other eludes me in the Bardo meditation he presents a very cool presentation on meditation so we'll look at uh that text and and uh and then alan has given these uh, many teachings on this other text by dujim Linkpa called the sharp vajra of uh, of awareness or something like that which uh, presents the path of meditation shamatha with Coarse object, shamata, with subtle object and shamata without um, support, and then the vipassana that arises from that. So, anyway, it's scattered in many, many of his different, huge number of books, and I'm going to try to collect them all and arrange them in a helpful way. He goes through like the three honors of, of meditation it 's the goal. He does the four foundations of mindfulness. He does meditate, mindful uh, meditation through the seven points of Lojong, and then he does mind uh, meditation through like the Mahamudra Dzogchen system of those different levels of shamatha that I just mentioned, and then uh, Vipassana based on that. So anyway, probably... Uh, and how
3: many years is this course going to be?
0: Oh, no, yeah, no, I got to make this one short and sweet, and ideally we'll start in two weeks, but it might be three weeks. I might need uh, time to put it together. So, But maybe today is, what, February 1st? Tomorrow's Groundhog Day. <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll start on the 15th, if not on the 22nd, and I'll let you know and see if you're interested. So thank you very, very much. Let's dedicate the marriage. By this merit, may all obtain omniscience. May defeat the enemy of wrongdoing from the stormy waves of birth, old age, sickness, and death from the ocean of samsara. May free all beings. By the confidence of the golden sun of the Great East, may the lotus garden of the Rigdon's wisdom bloom. May the dark ignorance of sentient beings be dispelled. May all beings enjoy profound, brilliant glory. Thank you very much. Great to see you. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Thank you Derek. Derek.
1: Thank you everybody. Thank you,
3: Thank you Barbara also. Thank, awesome. Thank you.
1: A good one.